Hey, guess what's happening for the very first time right about now? Like right about now, very first time. What do you think's happening? Who is? PJ. <laughs> That's a bit of a joke. We call him Pastor John now. But anyway, um, John and Nay are leading their very first service as the senior pastors of Westgate Vineyard. Hey, let's just stop for a minute and just ask that heaven would just like completely break out in that church today, hey? Let's just esteem them before God. Father, I thank you for just the obedience of John and Naomi and the beautiful girls who followed you to Melbourne. Thank you that the the travel went well, the move went well, the furniture arrived all okay, they're in their new home. We thank you for all that and we just esteem them right now as they're gathering with the people at the Westgate Vineyard. Holy Spirit, come. Come, bless those people there, we pray. Let the, let the rule and reign of God break into that place and let, let the hearts of the people be given to John and Naomi and let John and Naomi's heart be given to the people. Let, let there be just such a, a wonderful reality of your presence there today, God. In the name of Jesus, come and glorify the Father there in all that's happening, Lord Jesus, we ask. Amen. Hey, thanks, folks. <clears throat> exciting stuff. Huh? That's really exciting stuff. Um, this morning, I want to <clears throat> quickly sort of uh, finish off a couple of uh, bits of teaching that we started a, 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 a month or so back, and we haven't had a chance to finish it just because of all of the party and the celebrations that have been going on here <laughs> over the last, uh, the last month. But I want to finish off on... Um, on uh, vineyard identity, thanks guys. And uh, <clears throat> we've been through a number of these little, little isms or sayings or distinctives of who we are as people. Because God's been working on the whole identity issue and we want to make, we, we, we're get, kind of getting that into the fabric and the marrow of our bones and beginning to understand who we are as individuals to God. But we're also getting into our fabric and our bones who we are together under the goodness of God, as his people in the earth. And so we've been just checking off these little, uh, you know, when, you, when you're in a conversation with someone and they say, well, what do you mean, who's vineyard, what's vineyard? You know, it's like, well, this is who we are. These, these are some of our little distinctives. If you were to sort of look at us and say, oh, okay, that's what these guys are into. And we've been through a bunch of them. We've been through the main and the plain. In other words, we love the Bible and we, we read it for all it's worth. And, and, and we take it plain, its plain meaning as truth for our life. The now and the not yet of the kingdom of God, we've worked through that and the learning to live in the tension of God's kingdom being fully now and not fully yet at the same time and learning to live in the, the tension of that place. We've looked at being worshippers of God and rescuers of men and women. We've looked at everyone gets to play and Come as you are, but you won't stay as you are. And uh, so this morning, there's, there's a couple more I want to pick up on. And uh, you just have to bear with me. I'm going solo today. Nick, Nick just didn't have the time to um, help out teach this morning. She's had two assignments that she's had to get in this week. It's been a bit flat out for her and the crew's on holiday. And we, when we're trying to get out of, out of here this, this afternoon to Sydney as well for some meetings. So it's a, been a rather busy week, but... Just pretend the, the better looking half of this relationship is standing just here, <laughs> making me look somewhat decent this morning, all right? 
So, but this morning, I want to pick up on, uh, if we flick to the next page, uh, I want to pick up on number nine and number 12, okay? Number nine and number 12. Um, <clears throat> but I'll, I'm going to do it in, re- go backwards here, we'll reverse up the order. So we'll go, my brother is never my enemy. We'll start there and then, then we'll jump back up to um, equipping the saints. So we got all that, we're ready to roll. Hello? Hello. Testing. There we go. There we go. There's some people here. All righty. You know, uh, one of the things that struck me uh, when I first encountered this movement called the Vineyard Movement uh, uh, in uh, sort of the late 19... It was early 1990s when I first met the Vineyard Movement. I, I was struck about how both Wimber and all of the people that were part of the Vineyard Movement at that time, uh, they weren't here in Australia in terms of we weren't planting churches here in Australia at that time. We were, it was more that they were, the Lord was using the Vineyard as a, like a renewal type vehicle, moving around the earth and renewing the church. And um, One of the things that struck me about Wimber and all these Vineyard people was their profound deep love for the church. And not just the vineyard, obviously they love the vineyard because that's who they were and we love the vineyard because that's who we are, but just a deep, profound love for the whole body of Jesus, from the Catholic Church to the Pentecostal Church, conservative evangelical churches, uh, Baptist churches, independent churches, you name it, these guys had a love for the whole church. And it was reflected in these conferences that they would run. Like I went to a conference in 1990 down at the Horden Pavilion in Sydney, at the Sydney Showgrounds. And there was about 7,000 people there. And in that 7,000 people, there was representation from just about every church denomination and individual sort of independent church that there was. Every flavor every you know you name it they were all there in the crowd and they were there because they were being blessed by Wimber and the Vineyard Movement at that time and I think that they were also there because they knew that they were genuinely appreciated and loved by John Wimber and the Vineyard. John wasn't asking them to become the Vineyard he was just wanting to bless them and, and tell them that God loves them. And in the process, uh, you know, I was struck by just this deep, genuine love for the whole church. I found in this movement something that had always been in me uh, as I came to Christ. In me, God put a love for the whole church. And so Nicole and I, we love hanging out with people from all flavors of the body of Jesus. For us, it's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Everything outside that and around that, we can choose to differentiate. But the one thing that holds us all together is Jesus, and we celebrate him. And we celebrate him here, and we bless the Catholic churches. They're meeting this morning, and they're celebrating Jesus. 
and we bless the Baptist churches that are celebrating Jesus this morning the way the Baptists do it, and we bless the Reformed, uh, I don't know, the Reformed churches. Uh, you know, we, we bless every church that's celebrating Jesus this morning. We bless them. Like when I, I don't know if I have this little practice. Maybe it's just something that's coming out of my conversation with Jesus. But every time I drive, all, wherever I'm driving, all around our region, if I'm driving past and I know another church is there, the Anglican church or whatever, I always say, Father, would you bless your people there? Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. So bless them. We love them. We love the Uniting Church. We love the whole Methodist Church. We love the whole body of Christ. This struck me about these guys. And, and as I found myself becoming a part of this movement called the Vineyard Movement, that, that DNA, that, that love for the whole church started to really like catch fire in us. And so we've spent many years going and equipping other parts of the body of Jesus with the things that God's given us. We give it away. We love the whole church. And um, now, you might be thinking, why has this got anything to do with my brother is never my enemy? Well, let me tell you, over 24 years of public life and ministry, I have had so many letters written against me. I have had so many voices of accusation written against me. I have had so many people with words of criticisms and rumors and judgments and more, I've had so much of that stuff from both within my own movement and outside the movement. I've had words and you name it, and judgments, and it's all been there. But you know what? It's in those moments, even when my brother is acting like the enemy, he is not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. Have you got your Bible? If you have, open it up. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 6. Paul's talking to the church about spiritual conflict. And in, in 6 verse 12, he makes up this point. He says, our struggle, verse 12 there, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. My issue is not with you or with my brothers who may have issues with me and what I say or the way I live. My issue is not with you, Paul's saying. He says, my struggle is not there against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul is saying the enemy is the enemy. Now, sometimes, I, you know, if you ask my older brother, he could put a few stories out there for you to tell you that, you know, over the years, he, he would have thought I was the enemy the way I treated him. I mean, I remember one day, you know, <clears throat> we were playing a game of cricket in the front yard and on the driveway, <clears throat> and I didn't like the fact that he, you know, when you bat, you... You're also the umpire, so you can, you know, <laughs> that way when you get out and you go, no, I didn't, no, 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 no. And I was bowling. And anyway, we got into this almighty fight, almighty fight over the fact that I thought it was out. 
And he said, no, nah, it wasn't out. Well, I, everything in me just rose up that wasn't healthy as a young, hot-blooded teen. And I just went after him. I literally ran at him and went after him. And I grabbed some stuff and I used it too. in the Because he was, he was cheating me out. He was, you know, and, but he, I was behaving like an enemy, even though I'm his brother. You know, we all have this stuff inside our own family networks, let alone inside our local churches, let inside, inside the whole body of Jesus. Sometimes we just treat each other terribly because that's all we know to do. And that part of us hasn't come under the lordship of Jesus' love yet. But the enemy is the enemy. My brother is never the enemy, even though he may act like it. You got a few people running through your head right now? Well, they treated me like this. Hey, don't stay there. Please don't stay in that space. That thing will grow into a big, dark, bitter pond. And the mire of it will get around your feet and your ankles. And that bitterness, it'll own you. And it'll hold you down. And you'll wonder why you've got no joy when you're blaming your brother. It's the enemy who's the enemy. Pray for your brother when they're treating you like an enemy. Pray that the Lord would bless them and his kingdom would come and, and bless them. My Christian family may speak ill of me at times and speak ill of us. You'd be surprised what the world's out there saying, or not the world, the body of Jesus is saying about those people at Vineyard Pine Ridge. You'd be surprised. I'm constantly surprised. I'm like, where the heck did that come from? Well, it's the enemy stirring up muck because he doesn't want the people of Jesus being victorious. But that doesn't give us the right or the justification to be offended and to treat our family poorly. I'm not saying you have to be best friends with those who've hurt you. But what I am saying is God's inviting us all to have his heart in response to those who have hurt and offended us. His heart, not our heart. You hearing me? I hope so. Because bitterness and offence will isolate and crush. Our brother is never the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. Nicole and I, <clears throat> along with the people here in our leadership team, the board of this church and the Mercy Centre, we're committed to loving people, even when they treat us poorly in return. We're committed to it, just like Jesus was when he went to the cross. He was committed to loving people despite the way they were treating him. He loved them, and he loved them to the end. So, we here at Vineyard Pine Rivers are a people with a DNA of being committed to loving people and realizing the perspective and the truth that the enemy is the enemy, our brother is our brother, even though at times our brother or our sister might be treating us like the enemy. Got that one? I love this about our church. I sincerely love about this place. All right, next one. 
number nine, equipping the saints. Excuse my runny nose this morning. Um, Again, just thinking back to when I first sort of got got told to go and check out these guys at the vineyard down in Sydney in 1990, um, there's a couple of things that impacted me in in regards to this whole issue of equipping the saints. The first one, the first thing that sort of stood out to me as I observed this and I actually thought, oh my gosh, why isn't this best kept secret actually got out, you know? But anyway, the first thing I saw was Wimber and all of these people that he brought with them, they were committed to making sure that the people were able to do what they could do. They were committed to making sure that the people around them could do what they could do and even do it better. Something really took off in me when I saw this in action. I was like, you know, and this is why in the 90s, there was a massive awakening in the body of Christ. And the renewal that took place in the body of Christ was because the power of God came off the stage and it got put back in the hands of the saints. It got put back in the hands of the saints. Have you got your Bible? Open up Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4, just a page back from where we just were. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to pick up in verse 11. In verse 11. It was he, or God, who gave some to be apostles. Now, these are all lowercase letters here as well, these titles. In other words, it's, it's not a title, it's a function, okay? It's not a title. It's not like I'm Apostle Kirk. <laughs> it's No, it's like sometimes Kirk under the Holy Spirit might actually operate apostolically, okay? So they're, they're, they are officers, but they are officers on people in function, not a business card with a name and a capital on the front of it. Okay? Big difference, big difference. Um, it, was, it was God who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Two. Now, that should, for me, that, it's, it's a small T and a small O, but as I rewrite that scripture out, I put that in a capital T and a capital O. In other words... God gave all these functional people to the life of the church of Jesus to, in other words, so that, to to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ would be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to a whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see, I think <clears throat> as, an, as an observer of the body of Jesus across the planet, as someone who's, whose vocation is obviously very, you know, steeped in the reality of doing church, as I watch all the flavors and moves and all of the things that are going on again, I believe that there has actually been, in the last while, a massive move where the power has once again been removed from the saints and it's been brought back to the rock star pastor. 
It's been brought back to the rock star anointed holy man of God or woman of God. And it's been a very narcissistic thing. And the saints, what the saints get to do, they get to watch. They get to watch the rock star be the rock star. They get to champion the rock star being the rock star. They get to give all their money so that the rock star can keep doing what the rock star is doing. They get to pray and believe like, yeah, we believe, but never will they touch the sick. Because that's the professional pastor's position. I believe there's been a swing back away in the last 10 years, away from the the saints doing the works. And it's swung back. And I sincerely, sincerely am praying, and I ask that you would join me in this, that that those that the Lord has asked to lead his church across the planet would put the power back in the hands of the saints. Please, that's why we, and there's a big reason why a lot of people don't like to do that. It's because it gets messy, it gets rowdy, it gets sometimes very awkward. But that's where it belongs. Ephesians 4. God gave all these people as gifts to the church to prepare God's people to do the stuff. You guys have been saved to do the stuff, not watch the stuff happening through someone else. You've been saved to do the works of Jesus. Don't look for the rock star. Don't look to be entertained. God's calling you, even like Keith said, God's calling you today to get out of bed, give yourself, and be used for God's glory in the earth. You are the hands and feet. And the reason why the church isn't victorious, she is rather anemic and weak. It's because all the working out's being done by the, you know, the professional pastor and the rock star, and the people aren't working the gifts that are on them. And when you don't work those gifts that are on you, when John was here just the other week, he was, did this great teaching about how, to, how, does, how do muscles grow? They grow in the context of resistance. When you use them, if you're not using the grace of God, the gifts of God that's on your life, it becomes anemic. And so do you in terms of your spiritual fervor and power and authority. I really, really loved this about the vineyard when I first met the vineyard. I just, I just like, I bit into that wholeheartedly. I was like, I want everyone to be able to do the stuff, do it better than me. Just that we all can participate and do this. That's why every time we get together, we call for the Holy Spirit to come. And I have a thorough expectation that everybody in this place will be able to Hear God. Exercise the authority that is placed on you in the sending of his spirit. That you will reach towards those that are struggling with demons, you know, and break the power of those demons and liberate them. That you will be, you will be fully equipped on every occasion to be able to step through and be the hands and feet and heart of God. Not just in here, but this is a great safe learning environment. But I mean like, in the shops, at the restaurants, in your homes, with the people next door. I just mean wherever you see the sick and the hurting and you hear a, uh, you know, a hard luck story, you can reach in because you're fully equipped. That's why we run workshops. That's why we equip 
kinship group leaders. That's why we, we, we continue to give away the ministry of Jesus because that's the way it's meant to be. That's the heart of God. And if you're not engaged and you're not doing the stuff and you're not being stretched, I would want to reflect back to what I said before we had the offering, which is where is your level of desire in this season? And where have you shut the roof and said, that's it, I'm ignorant and I'm only going to stay at that level? Both those ceilings have got to pop off, the ignorance and the desire. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't watch the rock star. Don't be enamored. Be like overwhelmed with the goodness of God and the Holy Spirit. Be enamored. Be overwhelmed. Be overawed with the fact that God, look at that, that's God moving. And look, I get to join in. I was so, so impressed with this when I first met the vineyard. And then I saw a massive movement of people from, I described it before, from every stream of the body of Jesus in these gatherings in the 90s, in the early 90s. And it wasn't just here. It was taking place all through the UK, or through Germany, just Germany, everywhere. It was going on all over the world. There was people coming from all these different streams of the body of Jesus, and there was a hunger being awakened that finally... Finally, someone's telling us, someone's giving us words, someone's giving us tools, someone's giving us permission to get in and do it and no longer just have to watch and pay to watch someone else do it. I mean, thank God for that. But I mean, I'm desperate for another move of God like that in the body of Jesus. I am so tired of rock star imaging and professional pastors. We need, you need, to, you need to be at me and Nick all the time. Like, show us how to do that. When you say that, what do you mean? That's how I do it. I'd go around these blokes and women that are moving in the power of God and I'm like, how do you do that? What do you mean when you say you see this? Just get in our face, get in your kinship leader's face. What do you mean God told you that? How did you hear that? What did he say? Get in their space. Get in their space. Get in their face. Ask their questions. To be equipped to do works of service. To do the stuff, to do the kingdom of God. I'm so concerned of this disempowering culture that's waved through the church again. I'm so concerned in this season. There is a cry, I believe, in the heart of God, and it's one I'm asking that he would, like, inflame through this place that everyone that gets here and comes here would be lovingly unsettled and called forward into the purposes and the passions of God for their life and that they, it would be such a, like, a, an, an annoying, loving reality that it's like, all right, I'll do it. You know that kind of loving nudge from the Father? (laughs) That's what I'm praying for. Just a whole wave of people like that. And we'll put the tools in your hands. And we'll put the power in your hands. Because that's what we've been called to do. To equip the saints. To do the works. 
the church is anemic, underdeveloped. It's lost its power and its effectiveness in preaching the kingdom of God, in healing the sick and feeding the poor. Because we've been told to believe and watch rather than partner and participate with Jesus in doing the stuff. Here at the vineyard, we are given to equipping the saints. That's why there's always an opportunity for all of us to feel awkward in that moment where we go, oh God, you want to use me? We deliberately create space for that if you hadn't already realized by now. We want you to step into that space of awkward risk because we know time and time again, God will meet you there and he will come through and he will use you and me. You know, we shouldn't, but we still do. We shouldn't be surprised when God uses us, but we still do. We shouldn't be, though. We shouldn't be surprised, but we still are. Because that's just our daily doing the stuff. Equipping the saints to do the works of Christ so that we can mature, fully mature. And I'm going to steal the words of John Wimber to finish there. And he always said, be a lifelong learner. Be a lifelong learner. Be a lifelong learner. You think you know how to move in power? Be a lifelong learner. You think you know how to move in words and knowledge and prophecy? Be a lifelong learner. You think you know how to cast out demons and feed the poor? Be a lifelong learner. You think you know how to love your brother when he's treating treating you like an enemy? Be a lifelong learner. That's, That's where we are. That's who we are. And that's the one, it's just two more little distinctives about who we are as the vineyard and that I love about the vineyard. Now, who's completely, I mean like just completely content, I mean completely content with moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in their life? Just put your hand up if you are completely, I mean like I am like, that's it man, I've hit the peak. That's it, I'm at top game. Just anyone. No one? Okay, you're my kind of people. You're my kind of, because I'm not satisfied either. And I want to, now we're going to have some words of knowledge here in a minute, but I want to, if you want to grow in this stuff, there's opportunity. There is opportunity. Get into small groups. Get into kinship groups. Get down here into the words of knowledge class that takes place at 8.30 every Sunday morning. They bunker into that room. They press into the heart of the Father and say, what's going on, God? And they give us this little list of stuff here every week. And we've had so many people healed and set free and all sorts of stuff because God's talking and they are risking. And I'm going to read these ones out in a minute, but I'm also going to ask that God would like just sweep through the room with words of knowledge. And we're just going to wait. And then we're going to risk that we've actually heard God. Because, you know, last week I, I shared a message about hearing God. And you know what's been coming back at me all week? All these people saying, you know, this week when I was talking to God, I heard him say, thank you. Thank you, God. He's, he's always talking. And wasn't Isaiah 50 this morning? There was, a, there was a tag in that. There was a verse in that about 
being a listener, you know, being a student with an ear that's listening. What? Inclined to learning, I think, is the wording. What, what are you saying, God? That's our orientation towards God. This way. Wait, what are you, what are you saying? That's what the saints do. They press in and listen. Ah! And then we risk and we do. For the glory of Jesus, for the well-being of people in the earth. That's what we do here at the Vineyard. Now, I, I, to be honest, I can't understand why this place isn't like, like completely jam-packed and overflowing. Because if the power actually gets into the hands of the saints, oh my God, we could actually revolutionize our town with the heart and the love of God. Our families. All right. Enough, Kirk. Let's, um, we're going to, uh, I'm just going to read out, uh, well, actually, before I do that, we're going to ask the Lord for words of knowledge corporately. Because some of you all might get some of these, and I just want to go, oh, yeah, look at that. How cool is that? <clears throat> so, what we're going to do is we're just going to posture ourselves before the Lord, which is, here I am, Lord, speak. Remember Samuel last week, Prophet Samuel? Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And he's just going to speak to us some words of knowledge. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not for the elite. It's for the saints. It's not for the man or woman of God. It's for the people of Jesus. Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your love for your church. Thank you, Jesus, that you're coming for the church. Thank you for the, the opportunity to partner with you, God, in bringing your kingdom into this earth as the people of Jesus. Now, Father, I just ask that for everyone that's in this room right now whose ear is inclined to learning, uh, would you just send your Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, we welcome you just to release words of knowledge among us. What's on the Father's heart for healing, for freedom? for those that are among us. In the name of Jesus, we welcome you, Holy Spirit.